What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Luke's man, uh, I know you've been traveling all over the place. Got you're probably trying to catch your breath. How you doing, my man? I'm, I'm doing good, yeah, man. Just a, just a little bit trying to get from Charlotte to Brookings, South Dakota, to Bristol, Connecticut, back to here, and uh, settle down, take a little bit of a breather, and get ready for uh, my bowl game on Monday next week. Ooh, what do you got next week, Tom? I've got uh, just before signing day on Monday afternoon. I got the famous oh, the bowl between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion. Then I'll go back to Bristol on Tuesday for signing day on Wednesday. Then come back, have a little downtime with the family before Christmas, and then head out to the Cotton Bowl. We are going to ask you a little bit about signing day and all of that uh, during our segment here, but I got to ask you first of all, just to just to get the conversation really rolling. Any problem at all with uh, with the way the Heisman voting shook out? Jaden Daniels wins it. No, I mean, and, and that was to be honest with you, that was my my order was uh, Jaden Daniels. Bo Nix, Michael Panic, and had Brock Bowers not gotten hurt, I probably would have had him in my top two or three. Um, I just think that the exceptional level of consistency of outstanding play for that sustained period of time in which, you know, Jaden Daniels performed was absolutely remarkable. And what he meant to the football team, but just the play in and play out, series in, series out, there was you know, at some point, you figure you might go into a little bit of a lull, right? You might you might have a bit of a dip, and they see guy just never did. He's unbelievable. Yeah, great uh, Heisman night, and certainly uh, adding to a long list of SEC players that have won the Heisman uh, lately. Uh, I know that's something Greg Sankey certainly has got to be proud about. Um, I, I thought Barry was going to ask this question first, and I'm oh, certainly interested in uh, your thoughts about it, but what's happened at Troy with John Summerall moving to Tulane? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, on the surface you look at it and you say, boy, there are rarely opportunities to move up in conference level with a job that isn't a rebuild, right? Um, the, the, the program at Tulane is healthier than it has ever been. Um, they, they've played just exceptional football the last two years. And outside of the of the COVID year, which just rocked them um, with getting displaced and all of those sorts of things and the hurricane and all of that, um, Willie Fritz had done such a good job setting the program up for future success. And so I, I can see it from that, you know, perspective. I actually thought, I think I said this to you guys, uh, you know, I'm not so sure that the Sun Belt as a whole wasn't better top to bottom than the American this year. Um, and, and some of that had to do with, you know, the teams that left the American to go to the Big 12 and then the teams, obviously, that came in. But, uh, listen, John did a great job at Troy. Um, obviously, you guys know that as well as anybody. And then, you know, taking over that job, again, another opportunity for somebody to step into a ready-made situation and keep it rolling. I agree with you about all of that, Tom. Um, the I want to ask you before we get into the recruiting deal, uh, full scale. 
I think it was, was it you who was telling us a, a little while ago about kind of the saga of Dylan Rayola, the uh, number one rated high school quarterback in the country? He committed to Georgia, but he yeah. had such a background or such an association with the, with, uh, the University of Nebraska. Yeah. What's going to happen there? That's a really good question, you know. So he was, and I was actually covering and broadcasting a Nebraska game last year, and this was prior to uh, Coach getting let go and, and prior to Matt Rule getting hired. But at the time, his uncle um, was the offensive line coach in Nebraska, and he might still be. He might have been kept on by Matt Rule. And so – there was kind of this natural feeling that, hey, this could potentially be a, a legacy-type fit between his uncle and then obviously his dad, who was a great player, Dominic Rinola, uh, Rayola, excuse me, uh, there at Nebraska. And there was also a saga going on with him about, you know, bouncing around from one high school to another. He was going to have some eligibility issues in the state of Arizona, which prompted a move to Georgia, and he had committed to Georgia, so it kind of makes sense to transfer to Buford. He doesn't have eligibility issues plays there his senior year, and now it looks like Nebraska's kind of stepped in a little bit. And, um, you know, Nebraska, they're in such dire, desperate need for quality quarterback play that they have been lacking for years now. It seems like for years they have struggled to put a consistent performer under center. And so this would be a huge, huge deal for them. And, you know, at a place right now like Georgia – you know, you're not going to go in and start right away with how Carson Beck has performed. Um, you do lose Brock Vandergrift. Uh, looks like he's going to go to Kentucky out of Georgia. Um, these are still other, a couple other quarterbacks in the fold there. So maybe this is something that is. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend, Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here Thank with you. us. Voiceover. That is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. So I am right. not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good. Now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did. Cause it's one, it's ugly. And then I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp. But so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What women binge wherever you listen. Very real that he's really considering, and we'll find out between now and next Wednesday. Tom Luganville joining us here as he does each and every week. I brought to you by our good friends at Riverbank and Trust. Tom, I'm not a huge recruiting buff. I don't you know, follow it as closely as a lot of our listeners do and, and a lot of other people in uh, our profession, but I certainly keep an eye on it and I know what's going on. And uh, looking at it, to me, Tom, it looks like Auburn and Hugh Freeze are making a lot of noise out there. Uh, they're in on a lot of good players. They've uh, com- got commitments from a lot of good players, some, some five stars, which certainly weren't the case with the previous coaching staffs. And i got to think uh, there's some staffs in Athens and Tuscaloosa and Gainesville and Baton Rouge that are taking notice. Your thoughts about what Hugh Freeze and his staff are doing on the recruiting trail? Well, it's not overly surprising to me. And I, and I think, you know, there's, there's common denominators across the country at premier programs when a coach is hired. And then what you start to see is the uptick in recruiting the following class. Because now what's happened is they get hired. When they get hired, they're up against it. They're moving. They're traveling. They're making home visits. They're trying to hire a staff. They're probably right up against the first signing period. Then you got the second signing period. And you're just trying to hang on, right? You're trying to evaluate 
who was brought in by the previous staff. Do you want to keep those guys? Do you want to honor those scholarships? Do you want to go in another direction? And you're just scrambling. You're doing everything you can. Then you throw the transfer portal in there, and it can make it an even bigger mess. So once you get past that phase, so let's just look a year, let's rewind a year ago mm-hmm. this coming January. And now all of a sudden you're, you're Hugh Freeze, you're the staff, you've gotten through the first signing period, you've got to close it out on the first Wednesday in February. But now you get to take, sit down as a group without having your backs up against the wall and really start to lay down the blueprint, how you're going to execute it, what you're targeting, what is the plan, all of those sorts of things, and, and not have to feel like you're so rushed to get something done because you just got hired up against signing day. And I've seen that time after time after time again with coaches going into what I call their first full calendar year, which isn't when you get hired. It's that next calendar campaign for the next class. And that's why you're seeing Auburn make some real inroads here. Um, they jumped up to number 10 for us. They were number 15 um, as, as early as last week and have done a really, really good job. Cam Coleman, I think, is an instant difference maker um, at wide receiver. Um, Perry Thompson, I think, is another one, a, a difference maker. How about Perry Thompson, Demarcus Riddick, Jamonta Waller, and mm. Cam Coleman were all committed to SEC rival schools prior to coming on board. So, you know, it just goes to show you recruiting is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And, you know, in football, when a guy's committed, he's not really committed. If you're, if you're going to stay on him and you need or want that guy, you're going to stay on him until the very end. And for a lot of time, the very end means the end of his eligibility because you've got to re-recruit these guys. I'm looking right now at, um, at uh, one of the transfer portal accounts, and there are over 1,200 players in the transfer portal right now, which is insane, Tom. And there's a load of difference makers in there as well. Have, have you have you seen significant um, de-emphasis on on some of the three-star high school guys because everybody is now interested so much in the transfer portal for talent acquisition? Well, I'll tell you a couple of things that I've noticed here as of late, and before we get to that question, the thing that stood out to me that the transfer portal has impacted is how many players now, let's just take our ESPN 300, for example, we would generally go into this first signing period pretty consistently every year, and you'd probably have a little over half of that would be guys that were already verbally committed, had been committed for a while, and then the rest maybe, and maybe it's less than that, um, the rest would still have yet to make their declaration, okay? We are going into next Wednesday right now, and there are less than 15 players in the entire ESPN 300 that have yet to make their commitment. And the reason why is these players are starting to figure out the value of a scholarship. They know how easily that scholarship can go to a current college player and no longer go to them. So when they've, when they've had the opportunity to do their homework and they have high school scholarship offers, they're not taking it. Very few players are taking it down to the wire. They are, they are taking advantage of what they have on the table because they know it can be gone in the snap of the fingers. And so I'm seeing that first and foremost. The impact of the transfer portal 
Um, I don't. I, I think given that there's you know 130 some odd plus teams at the FBS level, and there are far more two and three star players across this country than there are four and five star players, and there are going to be far more FBS programs. Um, that are group of five than there are power five. There's essentially 65, 66 power five schools and the rest are group of five right. at the FBS. Right. There's always going to be a spot for the two and three star guy. I, I think that initially coming out of high school, because that's the developmental player. And remember, when those group of five schools develop a guy and he becomes a really good player, guess what happens to that guy? He leaves. Mm. And so – you're trying to blend the high school player and the college player currently. If you're at a group of five school um, at the three-star level and you're kind of trying to have a mix there for who you lose and then who you're going to gain, every coach I talk to, guys, and I know I'm taking a long-winded answer here, but it's a very complicated question and it's a deep question, is every coach, would, if they had their druthers, wants to base their roster off of a high school foundation. They want to base it off of development. Are they going to tinker in the portal? Yes. Do they want to live in the portal? No. Um, and I've pretty much heard... That. Afford Anything is a podcast that teaches you how to be smart with your money. As a small business, you don't have the resources to pay the level of overhead and for the level of services that a Fortune 500 company could afford. So I certainly understand why, if you want to offer benefits, the providers of that, that that fee is going to be higher because there's more account management per employee. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything. Wherever you listen. That is a common denominator across the board from coaches across America. Lugs, I saw the uh, Bowl Mania show that uh, over the weekend that you <laughs> were a part of. Man, you guys were going at it, working hard. And I was just wondering, because you went over so many games, is there one non-college football playoff matchup game that really intrigues you? I mean, I, I think the Missouri and Ole Miss games – uh, just because of who they're playing, uh, these SEC schools, Ohio State and Penn State, I think are really cool. But I'd be interested to know what you think about uh, some of the bowl matchups other than the playoff games. Yeah, I, I really like the Ohio State-Missouri matchup. That's my game. It's going to be in the Cotton Bowl. I think there's a ton of intrigue. And Missouri's had a magical season. And it looks like with Ohio State, you know, they're trying to figure out what roster they're going to put on the field there in Arlington. I do like the old Miss-Penn State. Uh, matchup, I find that to be really intriguing as well, just because Penn State is a really good defensive football team, and the two teams that Ole Miss has played that have been really good up front, they can disrupt them, they lost to. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they hold up against Penn State um, defensively, and, and can they go out and, and get that final big win in bowl season. Um, the, another one that I think is under the radar just a little bit is the – NC State, Kansas State football game. Okay. You got Kansas State losing their quarterback, Will Howard, to the transfer portal because the future is Avery Johnson. The true freshman yeah. played some this year is going to be a really, really good player, right? And then with, with NC State, you know, they, they rebounded, had to go through some shuffling of the quarterback position, and here they are looking to get their 10th win of the season. I don't even think most people are paying attention to college football if they realize that, that NC State finished 9 and 3. And so I think that matchup is, is one that could be somewhat intriguing. And the, there's a couple that I think are a complete and utter mismatch. I think Wisconsin getting LSU in the bowl game was a terrible draw for Wisconsin. Uh, it's not that I just don't think athletically that's a good matchup. And then when you consider what took place at the college football playoff and the decision that they made, 
and now all of a sudden you're Florida State and you draw Georgia. I mean, holy smokes! I mean, that's that's not what that's. I don't think that's what anybody saw coming in this one. You you, you mentioned that that Ohio State Missouri game, and John did too. And I'm thinking, man, it reminded me of this. There is no better transfer portal gold than getting a guy from Truman State. And turns out he finishes in the top eight in the Heisman Trophy voting. I'm watching that game just to watch Cody Schrader. I don't even care about Ohio State <laughs> in that one. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I, you guys mentioned the South Dakota State Villanova game I had this weekend in the FCS quarterfinals, and South Dakota State's got a running back by the name of Isaiah Davis, and he's so similar to Cody Schrader. And we're meeting with head coach Jimmy Rogers of South Dakota State on Friday before the game on Saturday. And we were talking about, you know, when you're a program like them who's developed players and you become dominant and, you know, you're not necessarily living in the NIL world. You can't just pay guys. And, you know, how do you keep really good players? And he actually brought up uh, Isaiah Davis in Missouri. He said Missouri came hard after after our guy, and our guy decided to stay, and then that's how the Cody Schrader thing ended up happening. It's so funny. Yeah, it's it's a great story, anyway. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate you telling it. Yeah, good stuff. Tom, we certainly look. Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? Reality remains reality no matter how hard you try to ignore it. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Again, I'm all here for the pop culture, people dating each other for the press. Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. Every so often, and by every so often, I mean literally every 27 seconds when the producer gets fired. The Ben Shapiro Show, on YouTube or wherever you listen. Forward to seeing you uh, during all the bowl coverage you'll be a part of in the uh, upcoming weeks. And, uh, man, we, we hate it when we kind of wrap up our sessions with you when football's kind of wrapping up. But it has been another great year with you. We have thoroughly enjoyed it. Looking forward to... Uh, touching base with you again next fall and having you on a, on a weekly basis. And I know we'll touch base during spring when spring football kicks back off and get some more analysis from you then. But, man, thanks again for another great season. Have a great Christmas. And, uh, man, we look forward to seeing you again real soon and talking as well. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. And you know I'll come on anytime you'd like to have me. It's always been a pleasure. We've had a heck of a run here. and love to keep it going in the future. You can count on it, my man. Thank yep. you, buddy. Get an inside look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen.